Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? El Sacco and Zane Nafi with you for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And I'm glad to be back. And I want to thank Kevin Jones for filling in for me last week while I was out. And, you know, Zane and I were so frustrated after week eight. We were talking, you know, off the air and, and after the game on Sunday. And we're just like, we can't take this anymore. They got thrashed and we're talking and saying, what What are we even going to talk about on the show? Like, what, are people even going to care? Do people even want to hear it at this point? You know, you're 0-8. And Beathard looked terrible, and it was just it was just a, a horrible game. The Eagles, you know, the Eagles kind of blew their doors off, and then out of nowhere, the Jimmy G news happens. And Zane, we were ready to talk about like recipes, right? I mean, we were gonna come on here. I was gonna give my chicken parm recipe. We we, we were out of ideas, you know. Yeah, we had we had a full three course meal set up. We had an appy, we had your chicken parm, we had some banana bread for dessert. We had man, we had everything ready to go. But Bobby Flay was gonna come on as our guest, you know. Absolutely, we, yeah. we, <laughs> I talk football at this point. Yeah, you know, it was like, but you know what? It's like, have you ever seen The Godfather Three? Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, you know the Pacino. I'm gonna do a terrible Al Pacino impression right now, but it's like every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, and <laughs> and that's what it was. You know, yeah, like yeah. I think I'm out, I'm done, I I can't take this anymore. My heart can't take it. You know, it's it's been too bad. And then all of a sudden, they pull off the Scrapple trading, and you're right back in. You're mm-hmm. you're 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 invested again. You know, um, how bad was that Pacino? By the way. I mean, you know, it take, it's going to be a little bit of seasoning, but uh, maybe, it. yeah, we can work on it. But, you know, I think, I think you got some potential. All right. You're, I mean, just, I'm you're just New York gonna, guy, right? So you're an East Coast yeah. guy. So kind of got that. El Sacco, El well, Pacino. It's close. It's close. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, this, this Garoppolo thing is, is great. And we're going to really get into it. And we're going to talk about the Shred Robson trade and, and injuries. Uh, Pierre Garcon's out for the year. And injuries are just comical with this team right now. It's a joke how many people have been hurt. But Garoppolo is the main subject, and we were able to talk to Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston, who covers the Patriots, and he really gave us the lowdown on Garoppolo and talked about uh, what his teammates think of him, what he's seen of him so far on the field. It was a great interview, um, a lot of incident Garoppolo, and here is Phil. He covers the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston, and he's here to help educate us on new 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Welcome, Phil Perry. Phil, thanks for the time today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll do my best to educate you, although uh, yeah, you've probably seen uh, close to as much as I've seen of them after one we're day of practice. We're, we're just excited to um, <laughs> you know, get, a, get a quarterback in here and have a little bit of future at that position. So, you know, and Phil, oh, there, were, there, there were a number of rumors, and we know teams were interested in, in trading for Garoppolo this past offseason, and, and maybe the Pats could have gotten more in return. I'm curious about what the consensus on your end is as far as the Patriots only getting one second-round pick for him. Is the feeling that they didn't get enough back, or is the compensation viewed as, as fair? So I think um, given when they dealt him, they kind of realized that they were um, in their last window of opportunity to try to get something in return for him. And so I think... The second-round pick back, while it's certainly less than what they would have gotten if they traded him before the year, um, and while I think I, I still would have liked to try to get some kind of front seven help uh, to go along with that second-round pick, if I'm the Patriots and I'm talking to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, I'd be asking for, for some help there because the Patriots really need it. But I, I think it's pretty close to what you'd have to expect at this point the season. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, fans here are happy with the return. I think a lot of them are looking at it as saying, well, if you ended up trading him anyway, he didn't do a damn thing for you this year. He hasn't stepped on the field. He's been great as a scout team quarterback in practice, but that's not doing anything for us. Why didn't you just decide to trade him in the spring or even in August? and try to get a little bit more for this guy that clearly around the league is is considered a pretty valuable asset. Um, and so I think those are fair questions. I think the Patriots just wanted to try to play out the string as long as they possibly could. Um, I think they were hoping to convince Garoppolo to take sort of a bridge deal where you know, you'd know up his pay from his rookie contract in the immediate, and then if and when he became the starter, then you kind of escalate it um, and, and you make him, you know, paid what he's worth. 
Um, but obviously Garoppolo wasn't willing to do that. He really wanted to play. And given the way Tom Brady's playing here now, the Patriots could just never guarantee him that. And Phil, there was a report today by Adam Schefter here on local radio in the Bay Area that one of the contributing factors in this decision to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers was the respect that Bill Belichick has for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Uh, how big of a factor was that in his decision? Um, listen, I, I don't think it was, you know, um, you know, one or two or three, but I think, you know, where he ended up, listen, first of all, it helps the Patriots because he's not in a conference, right? So you're, you're not having to worry about him unless the 49ers are making the Super Bowl um, or every four years uh, in the regular season. So, you know, that's, I think, probably the more significant factor. But I do know that he really does respect Kyle Shanahan, and a lot of that goes back to the relationship that he has with Kyle's dad. And so Belichick is a friend of the Shanahan family, I think you could say. And so when he looks at it um, and he looks around the league at, okay, what's a good situation, what's not a good situation, he looks at what is happening there in San Francisco and he says, okay, I like Kyle. I like John. I had him here in New England as a player for a very brief period of time, but I respected the hell out of his career. Um, I think they're smart. They were given long-term contracts to try to right the ship there in San Francisco. Um, you know, good ownership, involved ownership, ownership that cares or wants to do the right thing. And, you know, we're going to, you know, that's, that's a better situation for Jimmy to land in than, say, Cleveland. Um, now, again, was that the, the primary factor? I don't know. I think, he would, I think the Patriots were probably um, just looking to get him out of the conference first and foremost. But I think when you look at the, the, the total package there, uh, it was a good way to treat a guy who really had done a lot um, in terms of just putting in the work and being the consummate pro and doing everything that they had asked. You know, Patriots love the kid. They love him to death. And so they didn't want to send him somewhere that was going to be you know, kind of a toilet bowl operation. So basically, it was, it's safe to say that the Patriots and Coach Belichick were very fond of him. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Oh, yeah. And they tried really hard to, to, to figure out a way to, to keep him around because he was the succession plan. The only thing that the Patriots you know, didn't plan for was that Tom Brady would be as good as he is um, and continues to be. You know, I think when they drafted Garoppolo in 2014, Brady was basically he was coming off what was for him a down year, and there were multiple factors involved in that. The offensive line was a mess in terms of Brady's receiving options. Um, that was a disaster. They lost in the ACC championship game in Denver uh, that year, so they they still had a good enough team to get there, uh, but they were incredibly banged up. Rob Gronkowski tore his knee up in the middle of that season, and so you know you could say that was the reason for Brady's downturn. But I think you know the Patriots were looking at it. They said. Brady's in his late 30s. Uh, we started to see a little bit of a dip here, and so we need to start planning ahead. And what Brady did was he looked at it and said, you're going to challenge me? You think this kid's going to come in and, and replace me? No, no, no. <laughs> and he ended up having, between 2014 to now, you know, one of the best stretches, if not the best stretch of his career. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think it really did serve a motivational purpose for Brady in some ways, but they wanted Garoppolo to be the next guy and the timeline just didn't work out. And you mentioned Belichick in the front office were, were very high in Garoppolo, but it, how do you think his teammates viewed him in the locker room? Did they see him as a leader and someone who could take the reins for Brady eventually? Well, so it's hard to lead, right? If you're, if you're really not playing, it is hard to lead. Although I will say, you know, when he did take the reins, when Brady was suspended last year, he had nothing but respect from his teammates, and he was beloved in that locker room. That's part of the reason why the front office and Belichick liked him as much as, as they did. They know at that position you have to have something that is intangible, that is hard to gauge when the player's coming out of college, um, when it comes to character, when it comes to leadership ability, and they thought he had that, and I think the players knew he had that. Um, he just, you know, he didn't have his chance to be the guy. So he would take, you know, little mini leadership roles when he could, like when he was a younger player, he certainly took hold of um, the players in his draft class and even, you know, those that were a little bit older uh, but were sort of more, you know, fringe, not necessarily the established guys. Like he's not going to be a leader for Julian Edelman or for 
you know, for even Rob Gronkowski. Um, but for for those other guys, the guys that he was working with on scout team, or uh, again, some, just some of the younger players trying to establish themselves, he was a guy who helps them along, helped them learn the offense, um, helped them figure things out at practice. And so I think if you were to ask the players, um, and I have uh, in that Patriots locker room, but across the board, they would say, oh yeah, Jimmy has what it takes to be a starter. There's no doubt about it. It was just a weird situation here where you're playing behind you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. I would say one thing with the Garoppolo in particular, his best friends on the team were the offensive linemen. Um, you know, would go out with them uh, to eat often, uh, you know, and before the Super Bowl, they would have, you know, they had one massive barbecue dinner on their one uh, night off, and Garoppolo was right there with David Andrews and Nate Solder and all the rest, and he, he thought of that almost as kind of a, a last supper with his boys because he was, he thought for sure he was getting traded. And so, um, you know, he obviously didn't, but I think that kind of gives you a little bit of insight, you know, that, that the quarterback, the pretty boy quarterback, um, you know, the guy who might be even a little bit, just a tad more handsome than Tom Brady, depending on who you <laughs> ask, was spending his time, you know, with the fat guys on the offensive line. He's just a, he's, he's, um, he's a down to earth guy uh, and somebody that everybody respected. Now, we've seen a number of Patriots quarterbacks have limited success after leaving New England and Matt Castle, Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer, guys like that kind of come to mind. How is Jimmy different? I would say, first of all, you just look at the skill set. And while Castle was able to lead them to an 11-5 record uh, in 2008, um, did not have the ability in terms of the arm talent that Garoppolo had. I mean, this guy is a very talented thrower of the football and I would say one of the things where he even had Brady in terms of um you know maybe being at even a little bit higher level was with the deep ball the touch on the deep ball Jimmy Garoppolo is something else and you guys will get a better look at it the more he's there but he has a knack for the timing and for the touch that it takes uh, to be accurate in that phase and um you know he was making some guys that were you know fringe NFL players look like legitimate NFL deep threats with the way he was leading them and the way uh, the, the accuracy that he showed in terms of throwing the deep ball. Um, and so that's something that stands out. He's also, I would say, the best athlete of those quarterbacks that you mentioned, um, able to extend plays from the pocket, able to roll out of the pocket and make throws on the run. Uh, I thought, you know, early in his career, he was actually better at doing that than he was at, at, than just uh, as opposed to sitting in the pocket and, and trying to make throws with pressure bearing down on him. But in his short time as a starter here last year, he showed he could do that in terms of reading the defense pre and post snap. Um, he could do all of those things. And, and, you know, from the horse's mouth, Bill Belichick last year, I mean, he let it slip and this could have been, you know, him trying to bump up Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. but he wasn't even asked about Garoppolo and he answered a question and by saying that, you know, when we're at practice, uh, you know, Jimmy can do all the things that Tom can do. And if you weren't looking at it really closely, you know, say you, you had sort of a bird's eye view of the thing, uh, you might not know which guy is which. And that kind of made a lot of our eyes as reporters, you know, bulge out of our heads or, wow, okay, this guy is, 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 really that good and that's how highly they think of him um so it's just it's the skill set first of all but i think a lot of it is um you know off the field as well you know ryan mallet you know he's, he's lasted in the league but i don't think you're going to get anybody to say that um you know ryan mallet uh came to new england and suddenly adopted tom brady's work ethic and i think those are the kinds of things where garoppolo you know, while he's not doing the avocado ice cream and the diet and all that <laughs> stuff, I think to the T, like in terms of being in the playbook and watching film and knowing, you know, your opponent inside and out the way that Brady does week after week, those are the kinds of things you're getting from Garoppolo. Very dedicated, wants to be great. Uh, you know, he attacked his job here as though he had an opportunity to be a starter. He looked at it as an open competition. Now, was it? Probably not. Um, but he... He gained ground on Brady, I would say, every year, and that's what you're looking for. He improved every year, which means he was dedicated to the right things, um, and he was executing the way that the coaching staff expected him to. And so in that way, he was doing things that backups here in New England behind Tom Brady have never done. 
Now, I know he's only played a game and a half, and, and you mentioned a lot of his strengths, but are there weaknesses in his game? Are there things that, you know, as any young quarterback has to go out and kind of take their lumps, were there things that stuck out to you that he has to work on from what you've seen? Well, the biggest question mark is can he stay healthy? Because the reason he only played a game and a half was because uh, he got slammed on his shoulder by Kiko Alonso. Kiko Alonso, Alonso just taking out quarterbacks left and right uh, the last few years here. But um, that's the biggest question, and, and I don't say it because I think he's brittle. Um, I think the question is, does he have enough game experience where he knows when to give up on a play? And so on that play in particular, the play where he got hurt on, he rolled out of the pocket, rolled to his right, looking down the field, all good things, very competitive, was a third down play, wanted to make the throw, did make the throw, despite taking the big hit, converted the first down. but you're the starting quarterback. If you're a franchise guy, if you're the face of a team, you have to be able to protect yourself. And I think he understands that. I just don't know if he has the game experience where his eyes are telling, or, you know, the, the clock in his head is refined to the point where he knows, okay, time for me to throw it away and stay safe, or time for me to slide um, as opposed to keep my feet if I'm trying to run for a first down because it's more important to my team that I'm available than it is we pick up this third down or I get to the sticks on this scramble. Those are the little things that I think he needs to show he can do. And Phil, what do you think about the 49ers as a destination for Jimmy? Do you feel like San Francisco is the best place he could thrive and have success? I think it remains to be seen, but I think among the teams that really desperately need a quarterback, um, and if you're just looking at the two that seems like suitors for Garoppolo from the start, you know, if it's San Francisco or Cleveland, I, I think you have to go San Francisco just in terms of what's set up there. Um, at the top, again, it's ownership, it's the head coach, it's the front office. It's something that the Patriots and Bill Belichick in particular have really harped on over the course of the last few years. And I'll never forget, you know, the day after Chip Kelly got fired um, in Philadelphia, that was, that's Bill Belichick's boy. That's one of his good friends in the coaching business. And he looked at that and he said, man, that is a shame because that's a smart coach uh, and he's trying to set up a program there. You're not there just to coach a team. You're trying to set up a program. You're trying to build something that's going to last. And if you only get one or two years, even three years, it's probably not enough time. And so Belichick really laments that there are owners across the league that aren't willing to give head coaches the time that they need uh, to figure it out and to set up a program. Bel you know, Belichick, as an example, when he took the job in 2000, not a very good team, a team that really needed to have its cap restructured, uh, that needed to totally rebuild. Um, and we know they won it in 2001. But if they hadn't won it then, you know, and Bill Belichick has a, has a losing season in 2001 and 2000, you know, maybe we never see the Bill Belichick that, that we've all come to know here over the last 18 years uh, because who knows how patient Robert Kraft would have been. Um, I think they believed, obviously, in, in the direction that Belichick had them going, and he did a lot of things. He was sort of Moneyball before Moneyball became a thing. Uh, in the NFL in terms of, you know, everybody across the league was using 4-3 defense, so he changed to a 3-4, and he plucked all these guys off of, of the rosters that were um, not very highly valued and that weren't really playing, but they, they would have fit the scheme that Belichick wanted to run, and he did. Guys like Mike Frabel became great players here in New England. Um, but you need time, and so I think that's at you have you at least have that if you're the, if you're the 49ers but who knows what's going to happen in Cleveland who knows you know I, I guess if you're looking at it you know just Jacksonville buy into another year of Blake Bortles next year um, you know I, I don't know that's probably that's probably a team just because their defense is so good that's better set up to to win right now but I think San Francisco what they have going in terms of the the coach and the general manager that's probably it's probably about as good a spot as any right now it's Mike Garoppolo is so happy to be there Phil as far, as far as him being behind Brady um was there a good relationship there did Brady help him or did he kind of keep him at arm's length because he was competition he definitely viewed him as competition um 
did he help him? I think is a good question. I think, you know, just in terms of being in the meetings with each other um, and learning from Brady in that way, I think he did help him. I think he was the perfect example for Garoppolo to learn from. Now, was he was he telling Garoppolo, "Hey, uh, you know, why don't you just why don't you come over to my place? Giselle, cook us up some vegetables, and uh, we'll just go over film together." And it's it's stuff I already know, but I just want to make sure that whenever I'm done and you're taking over, I want you to be as prepared as possible. That was not happening. Um, so, in terms of helping him that way, it's a no. But he also, you know, he didn't hate the guy. Uh, you know, Brady calls him a good friend. And, you know, I don't know if they're as good of friends as, say, Brady and Matt Castle are. They, those two continue to be very good friends. Or Brady and Brian Hoyer, who just ended up back here in New England coming from San Francisco. Um, you know, will their relationship be on that level? I think it might be hard just because the age difference is so great. Uh, but he really respected Jimmy. And, you know, he did things like he took Garoppolo and Brissette uh, to the Kentucky Derby earlier this year. And, you know, they had their little thing after games last year where they won and the three of them would take pictures together and they called themselves the Wolfpack. I mean, these guys spent a lot of time together. And again, there was a lot of respect on Brady's end for Garoppolo. Now, you know, again, I don't think they're going to be best friends anytime soon. Um, but they had certainly a friendly relationship, I would say. Um, and I think, it, I think if you thought there was any animosity there between them, you're looking at it too hard. He was competition. That's how Brady looked at it. Um, it didn't mean he was, he was a, he was a prick to the guy, but, um, but he wasn't going to cede any ground at the same time professionally. Now I got a lot of respect for coach Belichick for everything that he's accomplished in this league and, and especially with the Patriots. And that being said, like he, the way that he builds teams, there's there's a school of thought out there that he he will not make a bad trade and there's been speculation about who actually has won this trade so phil who who would you say wins this trade i think the the 49ers have won it pretty clearly and i think you know what i I wouldn't be shocked if bill belichick would acknowledge that I, i think he he knows that they were in a difficult situation with two um very good quarterbacks one of whom is Tom Brady, the best ever, won five Super Bowls with the franchise, is very good friends with the owner, It basically is neighbors with the owner here in Brookline, Massachusetts, and it hasn't dropped off. It, you know, it's in the running to be the league's MVP. And so the Patriots had very little leverage. And just to go back to my point from earlier where, where I said, you know, it would have been nice for them to be able to pluck a player off of the 49ers roster from that 49ers defense, I don't know if they would have been able to do that. And that sounds crazy because, you know, what is John Lynch going to hang up the phone and say, yeah, you can't have our, you know, our fourth best pass rusher. Um, so we're not going to take on this potential, you know, franchise quarterback for the, you know, could be the franchise guy for the next 15 years. It sounds nuts, but the Patriots had very little leverage. You know, if they were calling and, and you know, having a conversation about trading Jimmy Garoppolo, it had to happen at the deadline. Um, and if it didn't, they weren't going to get much more than a, than a compensatory pick at the end of the year when Garoppolo left as a free agent because the franchise tag was off the table. So, you know, I think the second-round pick, the Patriots would acknowledge they, they kind of backed themselves into a corner and they knew they were doing it. They didn't have a ton of leverage, and they gave up a very good quarterback for a second-round pick, which is a crapshoot. You know, you can go down the list. Even Bill Belichick, who's got a pretty good draft history in terms of, you know, first-round guys, um, and building teams and sustaining the this team as a, a competitive one. Um, you look at his list of second round picks, and yes, you have your Rob Gronkowski's of the world, but you also have your Terrence Wheatley's of the world. And there's a long list of guys that are misses in the second round. It's a pretty high bust rate in the second round. And so I think if you give up a, a, a very good quarterback, which the Patriots think Garoppolo is, for a pick that you're not sure what you're going to get out of, you know, you lost that trade. All right, Phil. Good stuff. Thanks for talking with us. We appreciate you giving us the time and good luck to you. Anytime, guys. Enjoy it out there. It's an exciting time uh, for the 49ers. We're going to be watching closely from over here, too. Definitely. Thank you very much, Phil. And thank you very much to Phil Perry for joining us. And man, what a a great interview. A lot of of really good insights there, Al. 
you know what stuck out to me the most what he said when he was talking about his relationship with the teammates and he said i believe i wrote it down what he said he's beloved by his teammates that's huge Mm -hmm. you know to have a quarterback that guys are going to run through a wall for just thought that was the thing that stuck out to me the most we know he's physically talented we've seen him play but to have a guy that is really loved by his teammates like that is is huge and you know my whole thing with this trade when I first heard about it, I'm thinking, oh man, what did they, you know? What did what did they give up here? Did they have to give up a king's ransom to get him? Only giving up a, a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo is a steal. And, and listen, I understand we don't know what he is yet. He hasn't played a lot. He's not a proven commodity. It's not like you're getting a guy who's played for four years. But his upside to me is through the roof, and he's with a coach who can get the most out of that upside. And all of a sudden, with this trade, you have your franchise quarterback and the rebuild for the offense begins now. Let's be honest. The build for the offense wasn't, it was just a bunch of placeholders this year. That's all it really was. Even your two stars on offense, Pierre Garcon is older and Carlos Hyde in the last year of his deal. There was no one to build around on offense. And we had to wait until the off season to get somebody. And now they bring him in now and it gives him the opportunity to get some seasoning over the next eight weeks, get his, get his feet wet in the system. And you can start building around him when the off season starts. Yeah, and I kind of want to talk about how this trade came together. And I was, first of all, when I first heard about it, I was, I was on my way home and uh, listening to the radio and it came across the radio and I was like, are you, are you serious right now? Are you, are you kidding me? Because, you know, the World Series is going on and we're talking about that. And all of a sudden, this Jimmy Garoppolo trade comes literally out of nowhere. And Adam Schefter was on later on that night kind of detailing how it happened. And he, according to him, this came together really quickly. This came together basically in the matter of one weekend. And they were kind of talking about it during the weekend. And then it, it came to fruition, actually, like the, the negotiation of it, it basically over one day, which is unheard of in the NFL. This, that usually doesn't happen. Now, we've come to know since then that John Lynch had contacted the Patriots about a possible trade earlier on in the year around draft time, but, but it didn't go down until now. So the fact that they were able to pull this off with minimal compensation, in my opinion, is, is just a total, total win for the 49ers. Now, looking forward now like to, to what they gave up, I, we've heard some people say that the 49ers lost this trade. We've heard some people kind of lamenting the fact that they gave up a high second round pick. Now, mind you, the 49ers had two picks this going into next year's draft before the trade. They had the Saints second round pick from last year, and they have... Uh, from a trade last year, and they have their own second round pick. So they traded their own second round pick to New England, which is most likely a top 10 second round pick. But Al, if you look at the last, we'll, we'll eliminate 2017 because it's too early. But mm-hmm. if you look at 2016, 2015, and 2014, out of the top 10 second round draft picks, so that's 30 players, only two have made the Pro Bowl. Wow. So, wow. so that's, you know, it's it's not as if a second round pick is assured to be successful, but uh, I think what they gave up right now for getting a guy who knows, who who knows how to be a pro who's been in this league, who kind of has a story. I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but it just kind of feels like Steve young, Aaron Rodgers, that sort of thing. Doesn't it? Like, it just feels like a guy learning behind the hall of fame quarterback, just chomping at the bit. Doesn't it just kind of have that sort of vibe to it? It does have a different vibe to it to me than than a Matt Castle situation or, or that sort of thing, which we touched on with Phil. But the thing with me, too, is when you look at Matt Ryan under Shanahan, that first year it wasn't very pretty. And then in the second year, you know, Ryan comes in and he, he blows the doors off the league. He was great last year. And you're seeing this this season, Ryan, without Shanahan, Ryan's been struggling. So, again, when when you get Garoppolo in early... He gets to get, he gets to get, like I said, his feet wet now. And he's maybe next year he hits the ground running because he's had this opportunity. And like you said, the second round pick, it's really not giving up much. It really isn't. If, if you get your franchise quarterback out of a second round pick, that's, that's pretty amazing. They just did a fantastic job on it and it brings stability, hopefully. And hopefully it's a quarterback that they're going to have on this team for the next 10 years they just put it, you know, just plug him in the lineup and and he can stay healthy and everything like that would obviously be huge for this team. Now for me, and I know you and I differ on this a little bit, I think you got to play him sooner than later. And I understand that the offensive line is in shambles right now. And I, I wouldn't put him behind this line and he's not ready to go now anyway. He still has to learn the playbook and that sort of thing. And I understand Pierre Garcon's out for the season now. So you're saying, well, who's he going to throw to? But 
he's got to get out there. The Niners have to see what he has too, because he hasn't played that much. So again, he's not a known commodity coming in. So he's got to get on the field. The Niners have to see how he does. And, and he has to see how he acclimates to the playbook and that sort of thing. For me, I think after the buy is a perfect time to put him in because you have about three and a half weeks or so to learn the system. And then you can come in and baby steps for the rest of the year. It doesn't matter if they win. You're just essentially trying to get him acclimated for the rest of the season. So I feel getting him playing time, even if it's three or four games, is huge going into next year. Yeah, and as, a, as an aside, just for the people that don't know, Pierre Garçon is out for the year. He's got a neck injury. So uh, it looks like his, it's, it's about an eight-week eight injury, they're saying. So they're just going to shut him down for the season. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully he's ready for, for the next season and ready to go. So best wishes to Pierre. Get healthy soon. Um, but like you said, it's just, there's just been so many injuries on this team and that kind of shapes my, my opinion on this whole playing Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Like I, I, I don't want him to play behind the Swiss cheese offensive line. I don't want him to play behind guys who, who are not going to be on the team next year on the offensive line and, and practice squad guys and no skill players around him. I want him because you're not going to get an accurate read off of him. You're not going to get an accurate read for his, his abilities because everything around him is, is not going to be up to par. So I think you're kind of doing him an injustice by throwing him into a situation where he's got a bunch of players that are backups that are playing for the first time or a bunch of rookies around him. And you're asking him to really try to perform at a high level. Like it, it just, it just kind of seems too much like, like how they treated Alex Smith when he first started. So I, I'd rather they a wait until guys like Joe Staley and Trent Brown, Trent Brown's coming back this week looks like, but wait till guys like that get back into the starting lineup, wait till they can, can get some more healthy bodies out there to compete to surround him with and, and wait until he gets into the playbook more. It's, he said himself, Jimmy, Jimmy was on the, the radio yesterday and said that it was a pretty complicated playbook to learn with, of Kyle Shanahan. So I, I, I'm not opposed to, honestly, Al, I'm not opposed to them just sitting him for the entire season and just giving him a fresh start next season. Here's where I disagree with you. You mentioned that them having, grapple play and then expecting him to play at a, at a high level. I don't think they expect that. And I don't believe that that should be the expectation. What it should be is that he's coming in to get his feet, feet wet. It's almost like whatever it'll be a, a six week preseason or whatever it ends up being where he's just literally lear- learning about the system, getting used to the playbook, getting used to the way Kyle Shanahan calls a game. That's all it is. Wins don't matter right now. It's getting him comfortable. And in terms of next season, you don't want him going in cold, not knowing anything. And also you don't want to commit a big contract. If it comes down to that, somebody you've never seen play. Now there's no way he's not on the 49ers next year. They're going to at least franchise him to get next season, Mm -hmm. even if they can't get a long-term deal. But let's say they do come to an agreement on some kind of deal. You're going to commit 40, 50 million guaranteed to somebody who you put on ice who only played a game and a half. I, I, I don't think that that's reasonable to me, but we'll see how it plays out. He's already the backup quarterback. So, I mean, I thought Beathard was going to go to the ER last week. So you got to <laughs> figure Grapple's going to get in eventually. But mm-hmm. another thing that this does is it really shapes the draft in, in terms of what their approach is going to be because now the quarterback is off the board. Right. Now you go in there with the quarterback. And, and let's be honest, if they didn't go out and, and sign Kirk Cousins or, or, or sign Garoppolo if, in the offseason, what they would have done was draft a quarterback. And when you use a first round pick on a quarterback, obviously that's you're not going to get any other positions that round unless you trade back in. So to be able to, to get the quarterback now, and then you could spend your first round pick on an edge rusher on a receiver on big time talent that can come in and make an impact right away. It just changes a lot, it changes a lot in the free agency plan. And it changes a lot in the draft. It does. And to me, what it really also signifies is that Kyle Shanahan wasn't really sold on any of these guys coming out for the, for the draft this year. Like it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Darnold may stay at USC now. Um, Josh Rosen, Luke Falk, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen—all these guys. It, you know, they all—they all have really, really kind of up and down college careers. Lamar Jackson probably has the best year out of all of them this year so far, but it's just not enough, I think, to to commit to with a number one or two or three overall pick. And I think Kyle Shanahan probably felt the same way where he would rather take a guy who's at least seen what it takes to be on an NFL team and, and go against NFL speed and practice and preseason, the limited game action he's had over a guy who's coming in fresh, who's never played before. Because 
look at like we we hate the fact that the 49ers are losing we hate the fact they're losing a lot if you if you bring a rookie in next year and you start him there's more losing like there's no there's very few for every deshaun watson who who by the way tore his acl which is too bad really too bad um but for every deshaun watson out there there's there's 10 other guys that fail so i i think that they're kind of hedging their bets here and and, and going with with probably the smarter move in my opinion because like you said this allows them to now put that pick up for sale. And I want to give you an example. Tennessee, when they traded out of their spot, the number one spot two years ago to the Rams, they got, I believe they got four picks from the Rams for trading mm-hmm. out of that spot. And Cleveland got six picks for trading out of the spot that Carson Wentz was taken in. So that was the number two spot that the Eagles took. So if the 49ers end up with a top three pick, that is, they could get a King's ransom for a quarterback, a, a quarterback needy team. And they can trade down multiple times in the first round. They can trade down to the middle of the first round, get an offensive lineman or a receiver. Basically, they've taken one gigantic question mark and they've taken that away. And, you know, I love this trade for, for many reasons, but that, that's got to be near the top. Yeah, that, that's a great, great point. Great point. Um, you look at what teams have gotten when they've traded out of the number one or two pick. And like you said, it's a, it's a king's ransom. And they have so many holes they need to fill. They need. They basically need two guards in the center. They need receivers. They need edge rusher. They need corners. They need another linebacker. There's so much that they need to fill. And and you're right. If they're sitting at two, and you know, if you feel Saquon Barkley is the best player on the board, and and you can't pass up on him, and he's there at two, I understand that. If not, if there's guys you feel that you can get lower, you definitely trade out of that pick, and and you get the king's ransom, like you said. They're just they put themselves in such a good position by doing this. They really have, and. I'm interested to compare because obviously Kirk Cousins was the big name too. And by going with Garoppolo over Cousins, they definitely saved themselves money, obviously, because Cousins was going to get a lot of money and you were going to overpay Cousins. That's another big point. And mm-hmm. Cousins is a, we know Cousins is a good player. He's good, but he sort of maybe hit his ceiling. He might be able to go a little bit higher, maybe with a different coach or in, in Shanahan's system, you could argue that. But he probably kind of is what he is at this point, which is a pretty good quarterback. He's never going to be an elite type guy. Mm-hmm. Garoppolo, we don't know what he is, but his ceiling is ridiculously high to me. To me, Garoppolo's ceiling is an MVP level quarterback. And I don't think that's Kirk Cousins' ceiling at all. Um, but for Garoppolo, I think his ceiling is that. Now, can he get to that ceiling? I don't know. But if he does because become one of those elite type of QBs, you know, the Niners are set for the next five, 10 years and it's, it's going to do things like attract free agents. Yeah. And I want to, I want to talk about Kirk Cousins first before, before getting into the free agency impact. And I, I was watching that, that game against Dallas and Washington was playing at home and, and it looks like it looked like they were kind of hanging in there and, and it's a game that elite quarterbacks, you expect them to win. Like when on Monday night, when, when Denver came into Kansas city and Kansas City's trying to get back after two straight losses, like Alex Smith, he, he, I would consider him elite this year. He won that game. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs won that game. He didn't throw any picks. He threw a touchdown pass, and they won. So Kirk Cousins kind of seems like, like you say, he, he is what he is at this point. Like There is really no higher ceiling for him to go. And he's 29, turning 30. So it's, it's like, how many more years of prime Kirk Cousins can you get if you, if you sign him? So the story with Jimmy Garoppolo is actually his 26th birthday just this week. So he's, he's a full three plus years younger than Kirk cousins and with not nearly the, the, the amount of mileage on his body. So you're talking about a guy who, who again, as, as Phil said, like he's not like Matt castle or Ryan Mallett or even Brian Hoyer, like those, those former Patriots quarterbacks that some people are comparing him to. He's not like that because number one, look at his, you know, college is only a certain, it, I only saw hold that in a certain regard when it comes to NFL, how it translates. But if you look at college numbers, he put a 50 plus touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo did in his senior season, in his last year of college. It was, it was like 53 touchdowns, like nine interceptions or something like that. It was, it was ridiculous. Matt Castle was a career backup in college. Ryan Mallett had some decent numbers, but never put up those types of numbers. So mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is a totally different type of player. He's well regarded coming out of college, second round pick. Like he, he, he was highly regarded. So it's not like, we're taking a career backup and throwing him into a starting role. No, this guy was meant to start. He was just kind of stuck behind Tom Brady. Now with regard to free agents, I totally agree. Like the 49ers have 
a plan in place with their quarterback now. It's going to make a difference to free agents that want to come here. The 49ers have cap room. They have the ability to add and improve to their roster. So you're going to see a lot of guys that are attracted to a, a, a young quarterback with a young head coach and, in my opinion, the, the best offensive mind in the game in Kyle Shanahan. And, and they're going to be attracted to that. And the 49ers are obviously a receiver-needy team, and they, they've got the money to be able to, to get free agents in here. Yeah, it's, it's an, an exciting time right now. And as bad as the season was getting and as, as hard as it was to stay positive over the last two weeks, there's definitely some life injected again now. And you can start looking towards 2018 because you have that franchise player to build around. So I'm glad that Lynch and Shanahan were aggressive. I'm glad that they got it done. And I believe a big reason for the reason they got it done is because Lynch is so respected and, and Belichick thought a lot of Shanahan and, and Lynch as, as we've heard. And, and that's why he pulled the trigger with the team. So, you know, with those two guys, I know it's been a rough patch early on, but you got to feel good about Lynch and Shanahan. I really think you still do. And then I believe next year, this team is, is going to start, start winning some games and I don't know that they're going to be a playoff team. I still think they're a ways away from that, but you'll see the improvement in 2018 and maybe in 2019, you know, who knows, who knows, maybe they will be competing for a playoff spot again. Now, one other trade that went down was the Richard Robinson trade. And to me, I know he's been bad and I know there's been a lot of penalties and he's played undisciplined, but there's not a lot of depth here at corner and he's only 22. Were, were you surprised that they traded him? I was, I was, I, I think that there's, there are a couple of things. Well, I was, but I wasn't. So it looks like Akela Weatherspoon, who, who I actually liked that pick when he, when the 49ers drafted him, uh, he seemed to have kind of elevated his game up to that starting role. He had a pick in that, in the, in the Eagles game as well. He, he seemed to have been playing better in practice and, and have earned a, a shot at starting. Rashad Robinson had the most penalties of any defensive back in the NFL. So he really struggled this year so far. And I think what happened was is he may have gotten too comfortable with this position that that he had a pretty strong rookie season last year, and maybe he just wasn't buying in, and and maybe he just wasn't willing to work. I, you know, I'm I'm just speculating here, but you, we yeah. really don't know what happened behind closed doors. And it's clear that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have a vision for this team, and maybe he just didn't fit that vision. And it's just it's just another bulky guy gone, right? It, like this. Yeah. They're continuing the the post bulky roster purge and and it's just man Trent Balky was so bad he was so bad that that there's so few players left on this team like look at look at last year's draft look at the 2016 draft there's a total of one player who's contributing every single game and that's DeForest mm-hmm. Buckner every single other player is either released or on IR and that's unbelievable yep. for for just a year ago so it just Trent Balky was just he just absolutely who rode this team into the ground. Like he took, he took the, the best roster in the league for three years running and he turned it into an expansion team. And that's unforgivable. I, 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 I cannot tell you how, how much I, I dislike what Trent Balky did. Yeah, he really did. And when, when you look at where they were in 2013, they won 14 games total. And, and like you said, it was, it was one of the best rosters in the league. And, and now it is essentially an expansion team. The 49ers are an expansion team right now. They're all rookies in a few placeholders here and there. It's, you know, until they had Garoppolo, they really had nobody to build around an offense. Like we said, they're, they're a straight expansion team, and which is really frustrating, really frustrating. And you made a good point, though, about Robinson in terms of there had to be things going on behind the scenes. And I agree with that because, yeah, he was undisciplined. But again, he's a guy in his second year. He's 22. You kind of ride it out with guys like that. Even if you bench him, you keep him around because of the talent, unless there's more going on there than what we see on the field. And, you're probably right. Whether it was an attitude thing, maybe it was just he was so undisciplined with the penalties or whatever it was. Maybe they were just sick of it. You know, um, and it, he wasn't their pick. He wasn't a guy they were invested in. And, and they had Witherspoon right behind him, and, and he played really well. And, and again, you say, okay, well, Witherspoon had one good game, and then you caught Robinson. That's essentially what they did, and that sounds crazy. So there had to be more going on than than just what we saw on the field with him. And, you know, we'll see how he does with the Jets. He's a talented guy. He might end up having a nice career. He, he, he really might. Um, but another thing I wanted to touch on was, and we mentioned a little bit with Garcon, the injuries on this team just do not end. It's, it is comical, comical with how many guys on this team have gotten hurt. I mean, they're decimated right now. I'm saying they're absolutely decimated right now. 
Yeah, it seems like every week there's another starter or a significant contributor going down. And this time, like you said, is Pierre Garcon, the number one receiver. And I I really feel like when you've got a team that's full of placeholders and, and guys that some guys that are backups and some rookies, they're not used to handling that starting load. They're not used to being counted on that much. So I, I don't know if guys try extra hard or if they put too much pressure on themselves or they just physically they just they just can't handle that because they're not used to it. Like it it, it happens. Like you see this, you see this with bad teams. And the 49ers, I mean, they're they're a bad team, but they're bad for a reason, right? Like it's kind of like mm-hmm. we, we give them a pass because we know why they're bad. But really it comes down to the fact that these guys, these guys aren't a lot of them aren't used to starting. They're not used to getting that that the lion's share of the low. Pierre Garcon's a little bit different because he's a super physical receiver and he's had the, the number one receiver load. But, you know, some of these other guys that are getting hurt, that they're not used to it. They're not used to maybe the rigors of an NFL season. Like Ruben Foster is hurt again. Solomon Thomas was hurt. And it's just Jimmy Ward got put on IR. So really, like, I, they, they, the old saying goes, like, the best, the best ability is availability, right? So it doesn't matter where a guy was drafted doesn't matter how much they pay him they just got to stay on the field which is going back to earlier which is why I, i'm cool with jimmy garoppolo just sitting out and just be like look i'm just gonna learn the playbook and maybe play a couple of games in the end of the season but otherwise you know keep him on ice one guy who's on his way back like you said is trent brown and i actually i gotta give credit where it's due here brian Ke- peacock who does the locked on 49ers podcast um tweeted this and I, I thought it was a great idea trent brown's coming back joe staley's hurt Let's put Trent Brown at left tackle. Yeah. We're going to have to give him a huge contract, huge contract, left tackle money, whether Staley's still at, at left tackle or not. So why not play him there and see how he does? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think that's not a bad idea at all. Like this is, this is the time to kind of try out these things and, and almost, I don't want to say this, but you, you kind of have no choice. You kind of have to treat the rest of the season like preseason, right? You have to try things that, that you may want to see in, in effect next year. So I think that, I think that's a great idea. I think, uh, I, I think that they'll probably do it at some point because they'll get curious themselves. If you can find a left tackle of the future, it's the most important position on the offensive line with, at least with a right-handed quarterback uh, protecting his blind side. So I, I think it would be a great idea to at least take a peek and to see, but really it just comes down to where, wherever he can, he can fill in, man. They just need bodies right now. That's, that's all they need. Yeah, now I'm looking at this last game was when we go to, as we go to our game balls here. My game ball is going to go to Witherspoon, and, and the reason for that is because, listen, they need these young guys to step up. The guys that they drafted, the guys that they're counting on, they need to show that they can be starters in the league. Not even just contributors. They need these guys to show they can be starters. He was a third-round pick, and, and th- he needs to come out and show that he's going to be one of the top two corners, and he played a really really good game even the touchdown catch he gave up to Elshon Jeffrey was like a jump ball you know um he he played a really good game and I think pro football focus had him in, I think it was 88 he got graded at which is excellent he was one of the top corners for the week so if, if he can play like that moving forward it's a huge boon to this team and it was a great game for him and to me he he was the standout player of the week and my game ball for this week Al it goes to John Lynch for pulling mm. off what could be the trade that turns the 49ers around and for doing it by giving up minimal assets. Like he, he basically took a huge need and he turned it into a guy that could be starting for the next 10 years if this works out. And he's got that type of ceiling. Like I'm, I'm super excited about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they, they ESPN put out a really thoughtful article actually about a lot of his um, strengths and some of, some of his weaknesses and, and, He's a really polished quarterback. He's not just some backup that's 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 never going to get it. Like he's he's a really polished quarterback coming into this, and you have to think that that uh, they like. I know I know that I, I asked Phil about Bill Belichick not making bad trades and and things like that, but uh, it really feels like the 49ers won this trade. And despite what the national media will tell you and everything, I've I've, I've heard some of the national media say that you know that the Patriots won the trade and and. Bill Belichick hasn't said much. Like he was like, they're like, oh, coach, who wins this trade? And he's like, oh, we just found an opportunity to, to improve our team. And no, coach, like who won this trade? Uh, Jimmy's a great quarterback, great player, great teammate. I wish him luck with the 49ers. So that's pretty much all you're going to hear a bit from Bill yeah. Belichick, right? You're the, you know, you're, he's not going to tell you who wins or loses, right? Obviously, he won't, he won't admit anything, but 
I really think that, that the 49ers pulled off probably the best trade of the year in the NFL because of what it means. And I'm really excited to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can do in this offense. Now, granted, like th- it, there's no guarantee because it's who you surround him with. Right. But now you have the guy that you can build around. You have like your, your cornerstone sort of piece. You have one of those guys, like we talk about those blue chip sort of talent guys and how the 49ers uh, offense and roster overall was lacking them. You have one of those guys. And John Lynch was, was able to bring him in. And he was able to do it at a minimal price. So I think that John Lynch did a great job. Kyle Shanahan did a great job evaluating. So John Lynch gets my, gets my game ball. And sorry for the bad Belichick impression. I'm, you know, I just, I just, I can't, but, but I had to, I had to try. I, I was going to say, I think, I think your Belichick's better than my Pacino though. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> I thought but you did a good job, man. Don't sell yourself short, man. You did a good, you did a good job. You did a good Belichick. We're on the Cincinnati. You should, 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 should be proud of yourself. Proud we're of yourself, Zane. Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody's excited until uh, we probably watch this team play again this week, um, <laughs> and then it's it, it's it's probably going to get ugly again. So I want to say that I'm going to pick them for their first win. I just can't. I just can't. After watching the way the offense played last week, and you're missing Garcon now, and I, I just the defense played really well considering in Philadelphia, and they're pulling guys off the street. That are, that are doing a great job. Um, so the defense can have a nice little showing and, and the Cardinals offensive line is in shambles too. So maybe it's a low scoring enough game where the Niners can pull it out. It's possible. Um, it's, it's just hard for me to pick them to win right now after what I've seen offensively the last two weeks. Yeah. And it was, it was difficult to watch offensively. And, and I, I made a comment on Twitter about getting CJ Beathard out of there and what, what the point was of starting him. The point, the point I, I, wanted to make um was that he was taking a beating and he wasn't learning anything by taking that beating he was he getting hit on every single play and he was it was it was it was difficult to watch so i was hoping that they would put brian hoyer in to at least finish that game to keep cj upright now you coming into an into a game with the arizona cardinals where they are also on their backup quarterback too and they're also kind of a team that's floundering I really think that this this has to be the week, right? It's going to be either this week or next week. You're, you're looking at the best chances of winning a game this season. Just yeah. don't go. Just don't go 0 16, man. That's all I ask. Just just win one game. That's it. 0 16 stays with you forever. I, I know that it's important for building a team and getting the number one pick and yada yada. But come on, man. You can't go 0 16. You got to win a game even by accident. Like that's just the kiss of mm-hmm. death. So I'm going to say the 49ers win. And once again, one of us will be wrong this week unless they tie. But I'm going to say the 49ers win. They'll probably win a close game. I think the defense will play well. I think the team is energized after this Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Hopefully, Ruben Foster gets back on the field. And I think they win this game against Arizona. You know, Brian Hoyer's tenure was like JT O'Sullivan-like in the end, wasn't it? It was. It's like you got now Hoyer goes down with the JT O'Sullivan's with like the Troy Smiths. You know, it, it was that bad. It was like. 2005 like ken dorsey bad mm-hmm. it was really bad it was re- right yeah it, yeah it was, it was just, yeah like i just I, I just got the same sort of jtl sullivan feeling out of that too like when i i i'm think i even tweeted that out at one point where it just feels like jto all over again and he got paid he's, he got pretty much paid 10 million dollars for five and a half games of work so i mean if i, I wish my job was that cushy man i was yeah <laughs> All right, so you know, we'll see what happens this week, and in, in maybe the Niners will steal one. But again, positive vibes with Jimmy Garoppolo coming in and good stuff. So thanks, everybody, again, for joining us. Thanks to Phil Perry. A really great interview. For Zane, this is Al. Thanks, everybody. Peace.